Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. First Samuel 17, if you've got your Bibles, we're starting a new series today called We've Come to Worship. Amen. Well, two of you are ready to worship. So we're starting a new series today called We've Come to Worship. And I, my goal, my prayer, you know, it's the holiday season, and my hope, my prayer for you is that you capture the, the heart of God with regards to worship. Yes. You know, sometimes we, you know, whether by things that we've been taught or assumptions we've made, we, we, we kind of move away through time the, the scriptural teaching about worship. And so I just want to, I want to take a look at the power that there is in worship, how to worship, the order of God in worship. What, all, what does this look like? And so today, I just kind of want to establish a foundation as we talk about worship, that worship is bringing the presence of the Lord to this generation. We're, we're worshiping God because He's holy, He's beautiful. But as we do that, as we worship Him, as we declare His goodness and declare His beauty and declare His majesty and His all that He is, as we worship, I mean, that's, that's what worship is, right? It's, it's, our, it's our attitude, it's a posture of thanksgiving and adoration towards the Lord. We do this in our song, we do this in our dance, we do this in, in our body, physical posture, we do this how we geo geographically place ourselves. We, we do this in how we live. We do this in how we serve. We do this in how we give. This Every aspect of our life is impacted and is the overflow or lack thereof of our worship towards, towards God. Some of us have become the subjects of misdirected worship, and we'll talk about that. But, but regardless, we are worshiping in every component of our life. We're worshiping someone yeah. And so I want to take a look at that. This isn't just a message for those that are on our worship team. This isn't just a message for those that are, are, are you know, singers or musicians. This is a message for everyone that we are all called and created to be worshipers. And it's in our very DNA to be worshipers. Your DNA, do you know your DNA sings a song? Your DNA, science has, your DNA, if they put it, put it into a musical site, your, your DNA plays music. Go research that. That's awesome. Every fiber of your being is singing out a song. And the great thing is you get to be a part of the heavenly song. You've been created to be a part of the heavenly song. So I want today to lay a foundation, if you will, for, for understanding, bringing the presence of the Lord through worship to our generation. I want to I start with 1 Samuel 17. We're going to go on a journey through, through uh, several chapters and books today. So, so just hang with me, and uh, we're going we're gonna to have a good time together in the word of the Lord. But I want to start taking a look at where David comes on the scene. We're going to look at David's life. David was a worshiper. We're going to take a look at David who brought back the Ark of the Covenant, the, 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 
the place, the dwelling place of the presence of the Lord. We're going to take a look at what David did in his life. But David had a different perspective on things. You know, if you take a look at David in, in, in 1 Samuel 17 and what happens here, David had an entirely different perspective on everything that was happening concerning Goliath and the Philistine army. Why was that? Because David spent his life in worship. When you and I live, not just show up on Sunday and sing a couple songs, but when we live in a place of worship, we have a different perspective than those around us. We carry a different perspective than the world around us. We, we maybe even carry a different perspective than those in church around us because, because we're, not, we're not just showing up Sunday and doing our checklist, singing our songs. We're living. David, seven times a day, was pulling out his harp, pulling out his guitar, pulling out his stringed instrument, singing before the Lord, worshiping before God. He was living a life of worship. He was a worshiping intercessor. That word intercessor is the word in the Hebrew, paga. It means to attack. It means to cut down. It means to strike the mark or to pray as to strike until. Until what? Until breakthrough happens. It means to, to strike and to, and to hit, to attack, to pray, to intercede until breakthrough happens. And that was, that was David's attitude. That was his posture is that I'm going to intercede. I'm going to worship and I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship and intercede. I'm going to stand in the gap attacking, striking through my prayer through my worship, through my prophetic proclamation until breakthrough happens. I want to, I, I, I got to tell you, you need to stand right in the gap, right in the face of your enemy, staring right down and say, I'm going to keep on worshiping until breakthrough happens. I'm going to keep pressing in until breakthrough happens. I'm going to keep loving Jesus until breakthrough happens. And when it does, I'm just going to keep on rolling with it. I'm just going to keep on rolling. I'm going to press in. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to attack through my prayers and my worship. You got to change your perspective. You got to get out of this woe is me crud. That's what Philistine means. Philistine, some translations say uh, to roll in the dust. Other translations say wanderer. It means you're, you're just aimlessly wandering, rolling in the dust of self-pity. You got to get out of that Philistine mindset. You got to move out of the Philistine mindset and put on the worshiper perspective. Does anybody hear me? You got to get out of, stop rolling around in the dirt. Stop, stop rolling around in the mud and the muck and the mire and stop wandering aimlessly around and begin to take on the purpose. Walk in the, in the identity that God has given you as a child, as a son of daughter of God. It, it's time to start taking up, start taking up the weapons of your warfare and march into the battle of the Lord. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. That might be all you can say, but just, just let it escape your lips. His mercy endures forever. And before long, you'll see your enemy turning on themselves and breakthrough coming. Yeah, it's, it's guaranteed, I promise. 
Change your perspective. David, David had a shift in his, in his perspective. Here's this giant, this Philistine giant, and he's standing, he's standing in the valley. They've got the, the Philistine army on one mountain and the is Israelites on the other. And, and Goliath, this massive giant, is standing in the valley say, shouting out, and he's controlling them by his words. He's causing dismay. He's causing fear. What is, what is the Philistine mindset? What is the, what is the mission of the Philistine mindset? It's to push self. It's to push fear. It's to push abusive, authoritative rule. To keep you from, from ever entering your destiny. It's to keep you in a place of sub, subservient slavery. It's, it's to hold you back and to keep you from walking in your generational covenant. God has a covenant with you and the Philistine mindset, that wandering, rolling in the dust mindset will keep you from walking in the covenant that God's made with you. He is holding up his end of the covenant. You get the opportunity to appropriate that for yourself. And to walk in that. But, but the Philistine wants to stand there in the middle of your valley, keeping you from ever progressing into victory. He wants to keep you in the valley of despair and keep you from walking into your harvest. Where, where were they camped at? It says here that they, they were camped. The, the Philistines were at Ezekah. That word Ezekah means tilled garden. It was the place of their harvest. The enemy wanted to keep them from moving into to the place of their harvest. Where does the enemy always go? He wants to attack your harvest. And if he can stand there in the valley and keep you from moving forward, if they can, if they can overtake your harvest, the enemy wants to overtake your harvest, it takes a worshiper. It takes someone who hasn't been in the mess and the muck to stand up and say, you've come to me with your threats. You've come to me with, with, with vain repetitions. You've come to me with weapons that won't succeed. I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. I'm coming to to you and the authority of God who gave me a strategy to take your head off when I was back watching those sheep. You're going down today, buddy. And get the enemy out of your harvest. Stop allowing the enemy to mess with your harvest. I don't know if you hear what I'm saying today. Get the enemy out of your garden where you've sown your seed, where you've nurtured your seed, where you've sown the truth, where you've sown your resources, where you've sown your time and your talent. Kick the enemy out. Say, I'm worshiping over my seed. I'm expecting a harvest in my garden. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting that when I've sown my seed, when I've sown my finances, when I've sown my time, when I've sown the word of God, I expect a harvest his word will not return void. So I'm going to worship over my seed. I'm going to worship my way through that valley. I'm going to worship my way on into my garden and see the harvest of the Lord. Amen. Amen. They were there. It was the garden on one end. And then it says in verse 1 that they were at Ephes Damon. That, that word means blood boundaries. It's a place of bloodshed. There was a, there was a place 
right? I, I want you to get this picture. In the place where they're supposed to have harvest, there's about to be bloodshed. Where they're, where they're supposed to have victory, there's about to be bloodshed. The enemy wants to take you right to the place. You, listen, the enemy will always ca- cash in on your sin when it costs heaven the most. And here's, here's the nation of Israel captured, controlled by a Philistine mindset. They are not walking in the mindset of God for them. They're not walking in the covenant of God for them. They've allowed the words of their enemy to filter in and take root in their heart. And it's producing fruit. And the fruit is that nobody's doing nothing. They're just standing around saying, oh my goodness, what are we going to do with the Philistine? And instead of seeing a harvest, they're about ready to see bloodshed. But in walks David. In comes David after 40 days. Everybody say 40 days. After 40 days, in walks David. David, what was David doing there? David was sent. He was on, out taking care of the sheep. And his dad said, I want you to go serve your brothers. I want you to go take care of your brothers. Go serve them food. The heart of a worshiper is always a servant. The heart of a worshiper is always someone who's willing to serve and to take the lowest place. And here's David. He's taking the, the position of a servant to bring his brothers food and he gets out there and I want you to capture this David has come with the heart of a worshiper to serve his brothers when he gets out there he hears what he hears Goliath ranting about if if I kill him you're gonna serve me whatever whatever man you send out you're gonna serve me there's a there's a contrast and a comparison being made here that if you will give in to the mindset of the Philistines instead of the mindset of the worshiper, what ends up happening is you exchange your adoption. You have been adopted in, Romans 8.15 says, you have been adopted in as children. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to slavery, but we have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. When you take on the mindset of the Philistine, you're exchanging your adoption, you're exchanging Changing your legal standing before the Lord as a servant of God, becoming a slave to sin again. You're putting on the slavery mindset. You're putting on the slave to sin mentality where you operate in fear out of what that sin is going to do and how it's going to control you. So we have to put on the worshiping, the worshiper's mindset like David and begin to say, is there not a cause? I'm not going to back down. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not going to run away. But I'm going to face my enemy with boldness because I have the worshiping heart. There's a, there's a, a drive, a passion that stirs up on the inside of David when he hears this loudmouth giant attacking the armies of the Lord and insulting them with his words. Passion begins to stir up on the inside of him and that passion propels him into the position that God had called him to. He had been anointed king. He hadn't walked in it yet. He hadn't actually seen the fulfillment of it yet. But when he stepped up as the worshiper, God, that passion, God propelled him into the position he'd called him to be. It was was a divine setup. You could just 
look at it and say, this was a divine setup. God had it all orchestrated from the beginning. David thought he was going out and serving his brothers. David thought he was going out to the battle just to bring some food. But God all along looked at it and said, I need a worshiper. I need somebody who hasn't heard the lies. I need somebody who's not listening to the Philistine mindset. I need somebody who's been in a place of intimacy and knowing me who can step down into the lowest place, who can humble themselves in the valley place and look up at a giant and say, you've come to me with your weapons, but I'm coming to you with my worship. I'm coming to you with my worship. You're going down, buddy. Intercessor, intercessor, a worshiping intercessor. Change your mindset. Allow your passion to get stirred up in God and allow him to propel you in. And, and David steps in, 40 days, he steps into the valley. 40 days is, we know it's, it's the number that means into flesh. For 40 days, the flood happened with Noah. For 40 years, Moses wandered in the wilderness. 40 days, Jesus was tempted. It's the end of flesh. And so at the end of 40 days, David, David steps down into the valley as the end of flesh, as the end of the rule of flesh. Amen. I don't know if you just heard Amen. me. See, a, see a, worshiping, a worshiping heart, the worshiping mindset puts, annihilates the flesh. To be a worshiper means that self-promotion's got to go. You know, if the, Philistine, the Philistines want you to be, be all about you, and it's, it's all about me, my style of worship, my style, how you're going to serve me, you're going to worship me. That's the Philistine mindset. But the heart of the worshiper is a heart of humility. It's clean hands and a pure heart before the Lord. And the worshiper, out of humility, steps down into the valley and in the lowest place. And it's there that he finds his ammunition for the enemy. It's in the lowest place that the worshipers find the ammunition against their enemy. It's in that low place. It's in the place of humility. It's in the place of coming before the Lord with arms lifted high and hearts bowed before Him and saying, Lord, I humble myself before You. I, I adore You. And it's in that place of worship that God releases His strategy and ammunition into your life to take out that enemy, whatever that enemy is in front of you. And He steps up before the giant and He prophesies, Buddy, you're going down. How do you know it was prophecy? Because it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> hadn't happened yet. He just said, you're going down. I'm, gonna, I'm about ready to roll your head right up there in front of Saul, buddy. You're, you're done. We're going to go bowling with your head today. And the, and the birds of the air are going to eat your carcass. You're done. But I, I want you to catch something that happens here in, in 1 Samuel 17. When, he, when, when David's passion begins to rise up in him, what happens? They begin to entice him. The enemy starts getting nervous when a worshiper steps on the scene. The enemy starts getting really nervous when a worshiper steps up because all of a sudden that, that enemy, that, that situation knows, hang on a second. That worshiper's not going to stop until they see breakthrough. That worshiper's not going to stop until they see the fulfillment of the promise of the Lord. Hang on a second. And, and he starts getting nervous. And so the enemy will start trying to entice you. What did the enemy entice David with? The gold, the girl, and the glory. You can, you can have all the gold, you can have the money, you can have the girl, and you get all the glory and the tax credit too. 
It's in there. Read it. It's 1 Samuel 17. You, if you'll do this, David, will. And that isn't that isn't that true? Those of you that are in the music world will understand this. There's an enticement to give you the gold, the glory. And it happens in the ministry world too. I'll, you'll, you'll have your name in lights. You'll have a great big church, the gold, the glory, and the tax write-off. And you become the subject of misdirected worship. You become, just give, just, just let me preach, pastor. Just, I just want to preach, pastor. Gold, the glory, the tax write-off. I, I just want my name on a certificate so I can hang it on my wall. And say I'm the gold, the glory, and the tax write-off. I, I just want, it's all there, right? You all follow me. Don't get quiet on me now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We want the gold, the glory. But the heart of the worshiper is to humble themselves. It wasn't enticed. wasn't enticed at all by, by the gold, the girl, and the glory. Just, is there not a cause, David's response? There's, this enemy is, is defying the God whom I love. I don't need your gold, your girl, and your glory. I've got God. And he's defying, this enemy is defying the very promise and purposes of God for our people. And so David steps not only into a place of victory for himself, but he steps into the position of an intercessor for his whole nation. The victory that he, that he saw happen, that he participated in, set his whole nation free. And Saul says, well, here, you can have my armor. He said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't need that. I don't, want, I don't want to be clothed with what, what covered the previous generation. I don't want to be covered by what covered the previous generation. I want to step out with a pure heart. I want to step out with, with pure motives. I've got to be clothed with the anointing. I've got to be clothed with the power and the presence of the Lord. And he steps down into that valley, and he releases a new sound. He releases a new sound. He begins to prophesy. You're going down. The Israelites hadn't heard that yet. They had not heard anybody say, You're going down, buddy. They were all trying to figure out how do we take him down? And we don't want to become so they're all worried behind the scenes. But in steps David, worshiper, you're going down. He begins to prophesy and releases a new sound. Not the sound of clanging armor, not the sound of swords, not the but the sound of a slingshot swirling, whirling through the air. A new sound's being released. A new purpose is being released. A new, new, new plan of God. It's a, it's a new day, buddy. And that sound whirling through the air and the sound of a rock traveling through the air. <laughs> I'd love to hear, ding. You know what that must have sounded like when that rock hit that, that bronze helmet. Now, I gotta tell you something. That rock and that slingshot is not gonna penetrate a bronze helmet. But when David... David released that rock. He, did, he wasn't just releasing a rock. He was releasing, he sang about it. The rock of his salvation went through that air and it carried an anointing. It carried a prophetic power and it sunk into the brain of that Goliath and he walked up and cut his head off. I'm telling you, that is the heart of a worshiper. Release the sound. It's time to release the sound. It may be unconventional. It might look different, but get your slingshot in the air. Get your prophetic voice in the atmosphere and release and see what God does. 
And then they go on their way back to town. I'm, I'm flying through, and, and I don't know how I'm going to get through all this. I've got like 20 pages of notes I've got to get through. <laughs> on their way back to town, it's awesome. They're on their way back to town, and all the, all the prophetic dancers come out outside of the town. They're all dancing and worshiping. Songs of victory. They're all dancing outside the gates. How do you know they were prophetic dancers? Because listen to their song. It hadn't happened. The song they sang had not happened. What were they singing? Saul is slain as thousands. David his what? 10,000. That hadn't happened. He just killed Goliath. That hadn't happened. They were dancing. They were singing prophetically. They were, they were bringing their body into alignment with what they were proclaiming that David had slain. And it was a song. It was a prophetic song. You see, we, we, we miss these kinds of things in Scripture sometimes. But, but it really, I said it earlier, it's a divine setup. God was setting David up. He was bringing his worshiper into a place, into a position where God, the end result here was that God would be in the midst of his people again. That was, that was the purpose of all of this. It was, the, it was the very activity that propelled David into a position to begin to say, I am making a place for the ark, for the presence of God, for God to be with his people and his people to be with him. Now I want you to go to 1 Chronicles. So that's the setup. Now 1 Chronicles, that was my introduction. 1 Chronicles. In chapter 6, we see God's order begin to be established. Do you know that God's order is oftentimes much different than man's order? (laughs) What's God's order look like? There's a blind man spitting his eye. There's a a wall, walk through it. There's a leprous man touching. Somebody forgave you, offended you, forgive them. Water, let's walk on it. God, God's order. Now, listen, if you, if you go to try doing those things on, on your own self and your own strength, you're going to walk off something. Your nose is going to end up behind your head. And you're going to come to church all distorted, black eyes and bruises. Don't try that on your own. Jesus said, I do and say what I see my father do and say. So, so he was operating in God's order. Man's order looks like this. Well, we got to sing three, three fast songs, two slow songs. And then God can move. We got to do worship, offering, preaching, and then there might be an altar call, and there might be. That's man's order, not God's. And verse 31 of 1 Chronicles 6 is sound. Now, these are the men whom David, catch this, David appointed over the service of the song. If you don't get this, what I'm about ready to share, you're going to miss the rest of it. These are the men whom David appointed over the service of the song in the house of the Lord after the ark came to rest. They were ministering with music before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of meeting until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And they served in their office according to their order, God's order. What David did here is he anointed and appointed men. He set apart men who would be responsible for the sound that was coming out of the tabernacle. 
He didn't say to them, I want you to go listen to the latest trends. I don't, I, he didn't say to them, go listen to the latest marketplace music and see what's out there, the fads and the, and, and the lyrics. He said, I'm anointing you and appointing you to release a sound out of the tabernacle that will carry the presence of the Lord. We don't need another, you know, music festival that appeals to the flesh. You know, we don't need another, uh, another song service that's based on the trends and the fads of whatever's out there. We need the sound of the Lord. We need the sound of the Lord. I'm, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a worship team and, and a ministry team that wants the sound of heaven in the church. And what David said to them is, I want you, you will establish, you will establish the melodies, the rhythm, the dialect, the vocab, you're all of it. You are responsible, you are anointed, you are appointed to fulfill this ministry. Let's go over 1 Chronicles 13. 1 Chronicles 13. If you didn't catch it, if you go through and you read... David anointed Heman, Asaph, and Jaduthan. You see their names come up throughout the Psalms. You see their names come up throughout the tabernacle. In 1 Chronicles 13, we fast forward, and David is preparing a place for the ark. He's preparing to bring back the ark, the presence of the Lord. Chapter 13 is a chapter of beginnings. Chapter 14 is a chapter of contending. And chapter 15 is a chapter of fulfillment. You could also say that 13 is a chapter of breakdown. 14 is a chapter of breakthrough. And chapter 15 is a chapter of breakout. God wants to bring a breakdown of the manly order, the worldly system, the Philistine mindset. He's going to break down that Philistine mindset off you, break through with a Holy Ghost unction and anointing in your life so that you can begin to break out in your life and worship in a whole new way. Verse verse 1, chapter 13, verse 1 says, Then David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. David calls together the captains and the elders and says to them, he's being very diplomatic here, he says, Hey, I want to bring back the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to bring back the presence of the Lord to the people. I want your input. Now, I want you to catch who these people are he's asking this question to and presenting this vision to. These are his co-worshippers. These are the people that have been, been running with him. These are the people that, that have watched David seven times a day worshiping. Before the Lord on his face and singing and dancing before the Lord. These, these are the closest people around David. And he calls them together and says, hey, we need the presence of God. Our agenda in this meeting is to get the glory of God back into our region. Our agenda here today is to get the glory of God back in our region. Why have we gathered to see the presence of the Lord affect and impact this region? These are the folks, if you go back to 1 Samuel 19, these are the folks that that David was sitting around. If you remember, Saul has been ticked off. The demon on the inside of him got stirred up when those prophetic dancers were dancing. 
positioning and envy and all these things began to rise up on the inside of Saul and, and he begins to hunt David. He gets ticked off and David's out in, the, out in the wilderness and he's worshiping with these guys. He's just having a good old worship time, worship season, worship fest. Them just worshiping the Lord. And what happens? Saul sends men to capture David and bring him back. He wants to arrest David, bring him back and kill him. And what happens? Those men go out to arrest David. And David and these men, these captains of, of thousands, are all sitting there. They're worshiping the Lord together, prophesying and worshiping. And Saul's messengers hit that cloud of glory. And they step into that cloud of glory. What happens? They begin to prophesy. They begin to worship. And Saul's back wondering, what happened to my men? Where'd they go? Where's David? So he sends a second time, another group. He sends another group of people out. Same thing happens. They get up to that whirling cloud of the glory of the Lord around them as they're worshiping. They hit that cloud and what? They begin to prophesy. Three times, three times Saul sends in. He finally gets aggravated and says, I'm tired of this. I'm going. I'm getting tired of losing my men. I'm going. So he goes, and what happens to him? He strips his clothes off and starts prophesying too. He's absolutely, if you read it, he's absolutely incapacitated by the glory of God when he went after David. Because David was what? He was worshiping. These men were worshipers with David. And David says to them, hey, we're going to get the ark back. Verse 2, he says, And David called all the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you, if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land. Tell them, hey, hey guys, let's bring the ark back. Tell everybody. Let's get everybody together in unity. Let's humble ourselves before the Lord. Let's walk together in unity. And our mission, our goal, is to get the presence of God back in our region. We're going to bring the ark back. Are you with me? We're going to bring the ark back. And it's verse 3 says, tell everybody. I want you to go, verse 5 says, so David gather all Israel and go from Shihor and Egypt as far as the entrance of Hamath. That word Shihor, Shihor means the muddy place, the dirty place. In other words, it, it just take a look at this snapshot of this. David's saying, I want you to go out to where all the, the dirty places are. I want you to go out to all the filthy places. I want you to go out there to all those muddy places and tell them, hey, we're bringing back the presence of the Lord. We're bringing back the glory of God is about ready to invade this region. And we want everybody in the dirty places, in the nasty places to know God's coming to his people. I don't know if you missed You just missed it. You, just, you need to get out there in the, in the middle of all the nastiness. Get out there in the middle of all the dirty places. Get out there in the middle of the sick. Get out there in the middle of the heroin addicts. Get out there in the middle of the prostitutes. Get out there in the, the middle in all the dirty places. In the muddy places. And let them know the king's coming to town. Let them know the king of glory's coming. You know what happens if we don't, the enemy will give them a pacifier and entice them and they, they get addicted to their drugs. They're saying, whatever, y'all been there, you know what I'm talking about. They've, they get in their, their vices and they become subject of and any of us can become these, these people. I don't mean any of us by the grace of God. That we be, can become subjects of misdirected worship and, we, and our worship becomes the pill, the relationship, the success the needle, whatever it is 
Y'all hear me? And, it, and it create, we create our own dialect and our sound and, and vocabulary. We become uh, worshipers of that thing instead of worshipers of God. And so the worshipers, it's time for the worshipers of God to arise. It's time for the worshipers of God to arise and say the king of glory is coming. Place Hamath, it means fortified cities. So, so go to the muddy places, and I want you to go to the walled-in people, the people that have fortified themselves in, the people that have isolated themselves, the people that, have, that, have, that are trying to stay in a place of self-preservation. They're, maybe they're too busy. They're disconnected. Go find those people, too, and tell them the King of Glory is coming back. Go, go tell the church that's disconnected itself from reality. Go tell the people that have disconnected themselves from, from, from the from from the move of God that's happening and tell them the king's coming. Yes. So David, David's sending out instruction. Get ready. The king of glory's coming. And verse 7. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab. And, and, and Uzzah and Ohio drove the cart. This guy from Ohio here drove the cart. And David and all Israel played music before the Lord with all their might. Where was the cart? It was at Abinadab's house. Abinadab means liberality. They placed the cart, the, the presence of the Lord, in a liberal guy's house. And his two sons here driving the ark have no, no clue, no respect for the presence of the Lord. Familiarity with the things of God brings contempt for the presence of God. They'd, they'd get home and they'd walk in the front door. There's, there's the couch, there's the, there's the microwave, there's the refrigerator, there's the Ark of the Covenant, there's the TV. Let's go sit. Familiarity. So now they got this, this Ark on a new cart. What happened to the old cart? Well, they, the Philistines, they, they destroyed it. They burned it. And they made a new cart. They didn't want the Philistine cart. They wanted a new cart. So they made a new cart and Uzzah, meaning strength, and Ahio, meaning brotherly, these two guys start driving the cart. You can't, let me say this, you can't carry the presence of the Lord on a cart. What is a cart? A car is nothing more than boards and big wheels. Ah, you missed that. Some of you will get that when you get home. A card is nothing more than board. a committee can't carry the presence of the Lord. A board can't carry the presence of the Lord. The presence of God is carried on the shoulders of humanity. You can't carry God man's way. You were created to be a carrier of his presence. You were created to be a carrier of his worship. His presence carried on the shoulders of humanity. The, in other words, God was saying, you are responsible for the song, that the sound that will carry my presence. Yes. And they began to play their music with all their might. Woo, we were having church that day. Yes. Man, the music never sounded better, sounded good. We were having church. Woo. Woo. 
They were hitting all those licks just right. They were, man, those vocals were hitting the notes just right. The people were clapping just right. It was good. We were having church. And then something happened. Verse 9. They came to Nacon and Uzzah. Cousin Uzzah puts out his hand. The arm of the flesh cannot support the presence of the Lord. The works of man's strength, his name meaning strength, the work of man's strength cannot sustain. It's not by might, not by powers, by my spirit, says the Lord. The work of man's strength cannot sustain, cannot hold up, prop up the move of God. Because of us, a fried on the highway. Did not go well with his soul that day. Why? First Chronicles 15, 13 tells us they did not consult God about the proper order. And here's David. Hang on a second, God. Cousin Uzzah just died. It was literally Cousin Uzzah. That's why I always keep saying that. Cousin Uzzah just died. The Bible says that David became grieved. Some translations say angry. If the word is grieved in his spirit, he called the place the place of where God broke out against them. It was a grieving. But in verse 12, we see David's humility and he responds and says, how can I bring back the ark of God? His passion still driving him. That passion and the purpose of the Lord in his heart to reconnect God and his people. The presence of the Lord back in, in the place where it should be. And he's this place of how God am I going to do this? And so what does he do? He says this, this ark is going to Obed-Edom's house. Obed-Edom means worshiping servant. In other words, we're doing this a whole new way. We're not putting the ark in the liberal guy's house. We're putting the ark in the place of a worshiping servant. We're putting this, this ark in the, in the house of a worshiping servant. We're starting this process differently. We're going to have a heart change. We're going to have an attitude change. And that ark stayed there for three months. And the Bible says that God blessed all that Obed-Edom had. A new order was established. Chapter 14, verse 1, David was now king over all of Israel. Verse 1 and 2, he had become king over all of Israel. He wasn't just king over Judah, but he was king over all of Israel. And the enemy, verse 8, the Philistines, here they are again, the enemy trying to shut him up. The Philistines heard that David had been anointed. They heard that David was walking in his anointing. They heard that he was fulfilling what God had called him to do, and they got mad. They said, we got to shut him up. we got to stop this, or we're in trouble. And so they come out against David, and what does David do? In verse 3, it said, then David, or excuse me, verse 10, David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up? It's interesting, and you'll catch this the more that you read. Ever since Uzzah died, David makes it a point to inquire of God on everything. His whole vocabulary, everything he does changes. And he inquire, we've got to inquire of God on everything. 
What is God's order? We ask him on everything, every day, every moment of our lives. God, what do you say about this? And God says to him, go. I'm with you. You go, attack. And so David does. Verse 11, God has broken through my enemies. He calls the place the place of the breakthrough. God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. Breakthrough came. Now, what happens? They burn up all of the possessions of the Philistines. They burn it up all with fire. Verse 13, the Philistines say, let's do it again, boys. We don't want David advancing. We don't want him walking in his anointing. We don't want him walking in his calling. So let's go out again against him. Let's do this again. And they go up against him. And David, verse 13, inquires of the Lord again. Notice David did not make his victories a formula. He didn't just say, let's press repeat because it worked before. In other words, just because... A certain song brought breakthrough last Sunday doesn't mean that if you sing it again this Sunday, it's going to bring breakthrough. Doesn't mean that, that just because something worked before, it's going to work again. It's not a formula. God says to him, when you hear the sound in the mulberry trees, when you hear the sound, this time, I don't want you just to advance. I want you, David, I want you to sensitize yourself to a heavenly sound. Uh, you just missed it. God wants to sensitize you to a heavenly sound. It means you got to turn off. You, you got these guys here that, that are ready to go kill. They're ready to, they're, they're trained warrior. They're ready to go kill. And, and hey David, what do you want to do? Shh, I'm listening. Yeah. You're listening for what? <laughs> Be quiet, I'm listening. You got to get yourself in a place to hear the sound. You got to listen for the sound of the Lord. When you tap into the sound of God and what He's doing, you tap into a corporate anointing. You tap into a corporate anointing. It's what God's singing, saying, doing over, over the army, over the militant army that's ready to advance. When we tap into the sound of God, we're tapping into a corporate anointing, the leading of God for our congregation. He's, he is preparing us. God is conditioning you and I. He's conditioning you and I to be a militant corporate body that is sensitive to the sound, to the voice of the Lord. Yeah. You know, sometimes the Holy Spirit will anoint certain rhythms or certain, you know, have you ever been in a service, maybe today even, or sir, you just, you're worshiping the Lord and then all of a sudden something just clicks, something in the atmosphere changed. You've been there? There's something, and it was just maybe, maybe it was just a certain beat on the hi-hat or maybe it was just, it was a certain note on the guitar, a certain word that was sung or attention that was brought out on a certain note. It's the Holy Spirit anointing certain words and rhythms and sounds at a certain time to accomplish a certain principle or thing. His purposes. For example, Psalms 47 1. I'll give you a great example of this. Psalms 47 1 says, Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Clap your hands, all you people. And we, we read this. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout that's not what that verse says. Have you studied this? Clap your hand. Shout unto God. That word shout, I mentioned it last Sunday. It's the word ruah. It says to shout with a battle cry, triumph. Woo! I'm, you're going down, devil! 
(laughs) You've got purpose. There's, There's authority. It's victory. Shout. Oh, y'all missed it. (laughs) Ruah, shout with authority. (laughs) Woo. And this this word clap doesn't mean I got to come down here because I got to demonstrate. Come here. This word clap, come up here. This word clap does not mean. The word clap there in that verse means lift up your hand. It means to strike hands. It means when you come into agreement, you're coming into agreement, striking hands, coming into agreement, declaring victory. And so what you're doing is you clap your hands. Yes! Victory! Let's do that again. That was awesome. Woo! Victory! That's what clap your hands and shout unto God and that verse means. Strike your hands. Come together and agree. You know, we, we read those verses and turn. Oh, clap your hands. Woo. We give you glory. Bless the Lord. There's some authority here. Strike your hands. Come together in agreement. You know, high five. You know, when I say high five somebody, that's just, just a high I'm talking about strike hands, victory. Today's a day of victory. I'm declaring victory over my life. I'm declaring victory over you. And David goes and sensitizes himself. Verse 5, chapter 15. Verse 1, David built houses and what? He prepared a place for the ark of God. He's been lining all the details up and now he's preparing a dwelling place, a place for the ark of God in verse 1. We're going to pick up in verse 13. It says, for because you did not do it the first time, the Lord broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. What is the proper order? Verse 14, the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves. Holiness, sanctify yourself, come up higher, Get get in the place, prepare your heart. Prepare your life to come into his presence. And by the word, according to the word of God, verse 15, according to his word, they sanctified themselves and they lived according to the revelation of God. It wasn't head knowledge. It was according to his revelation, according to his word. And verse 16 says that David spoke to the leaders and they appointed all these singers and the instruments of music, string, instrument, heart, and they raised their voice with resounding joy. Resounding joy. I mean, it was a noisy place. This word resound, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's an antiphonal, it's a word for an antiphonal response. They're singing, they're playing, and one person will sing out and they repeat. They come back and repeat it. This is a noisy bunch of people making a lot of noise. 4,000-piece orchestra choir here making some kind of noise. David could have easily said, hey, hey guys, hey, fellas, you know, Jaduthan, hey, man, you know, we did the whole music thing last time, and it didn't work. Remember Cousin Uzza? He fried. We're good. We're good. We don't need to do, we don't need to press repeat on that, you know? Let's not do that again. And he could have just easily said, nope, done with the music. But that's not what he did. He didn't just have a knee-jerk response say, let's just cancel it all. He said, what is God's order in this? 
We need the music. What's God's order? We need the, the instruments. We need the singing. We need it. What is God's order in the worship? And it says every instrument, every singer lifted their voice in joy. Lifted everybody. 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 Enjoy. This isn't a drudgery to lift your voice in worship. This is our delight. <laughs> Enjoy. I will, I will sing and dance before the Lord. I mean, they had the dancers going. They had the singers going. They had it all going. They got it all. It says harp, cymbal, stringed instrument. They had the alamoth, which is the soprano singing. They had the shemineth, which is the men's bass singers. They got the trumpets, the choir, the dancers, the ark bearers, 4,000 of them all together. This is quite the parade. And out walks David. And what has he got on? He's wearing the priestly garments. Uh-oh. David, you've got the wrong clothes on, buddy. You're the king, not the priest. Remember Uzziah who died because he thought he was a priest when he was a king? Remember all the... David, have you forgotten all the people who've gone before us and have thought they were priests and they died when they were really a king? This isn't good. You don't see any of that in Scripture. You know, this was, this was a great place for the complaints to start happening. Uh, David... Hang on a second here, buddy. You're wearing the wrong clothes. You got the wrong attire on for church today, buddy. Got the wrong clothes on. You need to go back inside. Maybe Michael can help you get dressed. Oh, the music's too loud. You got 4,000 of them. David, you're going to have to get rid of about 1,000 of them. They're way too loud. They're way too loud. This is way too demonstrative. This is too much joy. I can't handle the joy, David. We're, this is, we're too happy. We cannot be this happy in church. We cannot laugh in church. We can't have fun in church. There's got to be somber. You can't be dancing. You cannot be dancing. Stop those dancers. Don't get mad. I promise I won't offend you. Come back. I don't mean to offend you. I'll change. I'm sorry. No self-promotion wasn't there. No complaining wasn't there. Hang on, David. You want us to do what with the ark? Did you, did, did Uzzah, ring a bell? You remember Uzzah? Uzzah, you want us to do, they, what, they, no. They, they, it was an honor to carry the presence of the Lord. It was an honor to dance before the Lord. It was an honor to rejoice before him. Psalms 25. Let me show you what was happening. Psalms 24, sorry. So they're getting, they've got the ark. They've gotten to Obed-Edom's house. Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. Not praying in his tongues. I'm taught there's a man's name. Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. 
He said, hey, buddies, you, you taking that, I'm going with you. You got the presence of the Lord. That thing's been dwelling in my house. It's been in my house for three months. Everything that I have is blessed. My whole life has changed because of that presence. I'm going. I don't care if you make me a doorkeeper in the house of God. I'm going. And that's exactly what Obed-Edom did. He, he was a doorkeeper. He was out there with Arliss opening the doors. Come on in. <laughs> Let me tell you how the presence of the Lord changed my life. Let me tell you about what we got here. I'll tell you all about it. The presence of God's here. Let me tell you how it's affected me, changed me. I don't know. Anybody hear what I'm saying? We need some people that are our doorkeepers in the house of the Lord that know how to tell people when they get in. Hey, let me tell you all about what's happened, what's changed in me. <laughs> and David stands up. They're, they got the ark, everybody's ready, and he begins to, he proclaims over them. The earth is the Lord's and its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded upon the seas and established it upon the waters. So David proclaims over them as they're getting ready and preparing to go back the nine-mile walk. The nine-mile walk back to Jerusalem. And they start out. They start walking. And the dancers start dancing and the players start playing and all the, everything, 4,000. Can you imagine the parade that was happening that day? And the sacrifices, it was a bloody mess and all the, and David's out leading. He's out leading the, the procession. And all the, the whole way, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hearts, pure hands. They're just singing. They're everywhere they go. They're just singing. That's, that's what it says, three and four. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands, a pure heart, has not lifted up his soul to an idol. They're just nine miles. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands, pure heart. I mean, they're just every. Nine miles, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He, you think you'd get it by the end of the... At the end of nine miles, you probably got it figured out. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He's got clean hands, pure heart. I'm learning. I'm making up my music as I go here. Nine miles of that. The dancers... And the praisers, everybody's just going. I mean, there are nine miles of that. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands, pure heart. And that's ongoing. Nine miles. And they get up. Can you imagine for nine miles? They're all that, I mean, it's just explosive. And they get up to the gates of Jerusalem. And here's... David's wife up in her room looking out the window and says, what has my idiot husband done this time? And the Bible says she despised him in her heart. The flesh always despises demonstrative acts of worship. But let me also tell you what despising in your heart does. She was barren. For the rest of her life. She cut herself off. I got a question. Why was Michael not out dancing with the rest of them? Why did she not go with the rest of the 4,000? Why didn't she make 4,001? But she stayed back. 
She disengaged from the worship. She disengaged from the presence of the Lord, and it led to an offense. I'll say that again. Disengaging from the presence of the Lord always leads you to offense. You can't live as a worshiper in his presence and allow offense. It won't happen. And they're dancing. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? And they get up to the gates of Jerusalem. I love I wish I was there. I wish I could get it in a time machine to just see this. They get up to the gates of, of Jerusalem. This is like the most... David's got Michael Jackson beat. I mean, this, you can't... You can't get any better, more choreographed than... I mean, he had his choreography down. He gets up to the gates of the city... And here are these gatekeepers on top of the walls. This is a picture of the intercessors. They're standing on the gates and they're watching this 4,000. I mean, they can hear the noise in the distance. And they, here comes it. And the, the music comes to a pause. Everything's paused. The dancers, everybody's waiting with anticipation. What's going to happen? And David steps up and he says, in verse 24, it says, or chapter 24, verse 7, he says, Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. And these, these gatekeepers are up on the walls, and they hear David. Now, you, hang on a second. David is not the King of glory. He's the King of Israel, but he's not the King of glory. So there's a, there's a phrase you might be familiar with. It's called leading captivity captive. We, we, how many of you have heard this? Jesus led captivity captive. What, what would happen in this is a conquering army, would, they would take one of the prisoners from the other side, they would strip them down and make them dance out in front of their army as they went back to their city in victory. And so it was a dunce. It was a place of the fool. And so when Jesus led captivity captive, he was leading the death and sin captive. He was making a mockery, a fool of them. He was leading in triumphant, the Bible says, triumphant procession. That word triumphant is a noisy, raving, worshiping procession. It was a raving, outrageous procession, and Jesus was leading the way. How could he do that? He took the lowest place. Here's, here's David. He's doing likewise. He has geographically positioned himself to be in the place of the fool before God, dancing before the conquering king. He's leading captivity captain. He's dancing, and his wife sees him playing the part of the fool and despises him. And David stands there. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the king of glory may come in. And the, the gatekeepers respond, who is the king of glory? And, and then the singers, this, you get this three-part round going on. The singers, they chime in and they see, they sing, this, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle is he. And then David said, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the king of glory might come in. And the gatekeepers on the wall are saying, who is this king of glory? And the singers, the Lord mighty in battle is he. 
And it just three-part round just starts going. I, I mean, just the, the, the choreography here, the worshiping that's happening. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty in battle is he. And they're just going, gates, by the way, are representative of authority. And so what David is singing, be lifted up, you gates. In other words, he's saying, yield to the king of glory. Be lifted up. Let the king of glory come in. Yield yourself to the king of glory. Let him come in. Let him touch you today. Let your, let your walls be melted before him today. This round. Who is it? Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. Let the King of glory come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty in battle is he. Who is the King? And lift up your head. And they're just going around, around, around. Constant. And we keep going. Verse 9. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift up you everlasting doors, and the King of glory will come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. Hold on a second. We changed his name. Said the Lord mighty in battle before. Now they've called him the Lord of hosts. Where was it in Scripture that Jesus was first recognized as the Lord of hosts? Anybody remember? It was at Jericho. And Joshua... Joshua has just circumcised the people. They're all belly aching and complaining. And Joshua's saying, I would be too, I'm sure. And they're just <laughs> laying around. They're all laying around. And what happens? God comes on the scene with Joshua. And what was Joshua's response? Whoa, hang on a second, buddy. Are you with me or are you for them? Whose side are you on? And what was the response? I am, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not, he didn't say I'm on either. I am, what do you say? I am the commander of the armies of the Lord. Translation, I am the Lord of hosts in the original language. This was Jesus. This is the pre-incarnate Jesus. He's standing there with Joshua saying, I am the Lord of hosts. How we know this is Jesus? Because he received Joshua's worship. Angels never received the worship, but Jesus did. And he received, just like Melchizedek received the offering. This Lord of hosts is receiving the worship. Matter of fact, tells Joshua, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. The Lord of hosts. It's interesting, the Lord of hosts shows up every time there's a wall in the way. You know, to take out your wall. And, and what, is, what does Joshua do? He falls down and worships. And in the middle of his worship, God gives him a strategy to take out the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And his strategy was, hey, hey, buddy, I want you to go. I want you to take your lamps and get your shout ready. Mm. Take your lamps and get your shout ready. Hang on a second. We, we want to kill. We want to annihilate Jericho. What does our lamps and our shout have to do with it? Get your lamps and your shout ready. You're going to march seven times. And at the end of the seventh, you're going to release a sound. You're going to shout. You're going to release a worship that's going to bring the walls of the city down. <laughs> Who is this king of glory? The Lord mighty in battle is he. 
Who is this king of glory? The Lord mighty. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. So they're standing at the gate and everything, the music's going, everything's getting ready to, and there's a, there was a sailor, there was a pause. Remember, they had, they had paused the music at the end of who may ascend the hill of the Lord. And now they've been in a vocal round and out steps right from among the crowd, out steps the trumpeter. David's, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can stand? And they're, lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your... And all that's happening. And the trumpeter steps out. And I imagine David stirring up on the inside of him. He's been singing the song. He's been dancing. He's standing at the gates of, of the city. And finally, the presence of the Lord is back to Jerusalem. The 4,000 people are all singing with anticipation. We're getting ready to march through the gates of the city. The very thing that we had set out to do. God's coming back to his people. God's coming back to the region. The tension is high. The spirit anticipation and expectation is high and the trumpeter steps out and blast on his horn. Oh, you got to do better than that. Come on, give it some gusto. You got bigger lungs than that. Come on, give us something. He blasts on his horn. Now, we got one guy up in the balcony, but they had, you know, hundreds of trumpeters blasting. Who lift up your heads, O you gates? And the trumpeters and the whole place breaks out as they start marching through the gates of the city. The whole play, they're dancing, they're shouting, they're singing, and the presence of the Lord is back in Jerusalem. The ark of his presence is back in the city. I want you to stand to your feet. Bring in his presence. God's looking for worshipers. God's looking for worshipers. I said, God's looking for worshipers. I said, don't get quiet on me now. I said, God's looking for worshipers. God's looking for people who say, I'm not going to have the mindset of the Philistine. I'm bringing back the ark of the presence of the Lord to my job. I'm bringing back the ark of the presence of God to my family. I'm bringing back the ark of the presence of the Lord into my community. I'm not settling for second best. I'm not allowing the captivity of the Philistine mindset to hold me back anymore. I'm not allowing the Philistine mentality to hold me back. I, does anybody hear what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not allowing what happened to hold me back. I'm not going to allow the enemy to shut me up and keep me out of my anointing and appointing of the Lord. I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to walk in authority. I'm going to worship the Lord with all of my might. Even if it means that I might be leading captivity. I might be the fool for God out in front. I might look the part of the fool, but let me be the fool and I'll, I'll become even more undignified than this. You ain't seen nothing yet, baby. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so wonderful.